Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to part two of the Origins of the Showdown, which is a clearly a two-part series of I See It But I Don't Believe It, our footy story show here at Play On. Uh, I'm Gemma Bassiani, as always, and I'm joined again by Port Adelaide superfan, Lisa, and hey, hey. Carlton fan slash footy historian, Jason. <laughs> I probably wouldn't advertise footy historian next to my name, but... I'm uh, I'm appreciative of the kind words, Gemma. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about you being old, but you're not that much older than me, so like you just you like. A, footy you already history. make a joke about me being old. Lisa is so. older I than I am. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that uh, we're remotely recording this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Um, in the first part of the Origins of the Showdown, we kind of focused on Port Adelaide's history through the Sandfall and being the oldest uh, football club in South Australia and, and a whole bunch of stuff, as well as how Adelaide uh, Crows, the Adelaide Crows came to be. This episode, we're going to be going through uh, quarter by quarter of the first ever showdown uh, in 1997. We're also going to touch on the rivalry between these two South Australian teams within the national competition and touching on some of the best showdowns. I did a shout out on Twitter and had a few responses there, so I just want to mention them too. But let's kick it all off talking about heading into the first showdown. It was uh, round four, 1997 at Football Park in South Australia, obviously. Sunday, Sunday, April 21. Yes, Sunday, April 21. That's okay. Uh, 47,256 people attended, which is a sold-out crowd at Football Park. Yes, correct. And um, I know you'll touch on the first couple of games for Port for me, Lisa, but Port had actually won their first game in the AFL the week before against Geelong. Yes, they did. So the interesting thing about that is that I mean, most people thought that Port wouldn't win a game all year, let alone in round three. Um, they had the youngest team in the AFL at the time. They only had 14 players on the entire list with any AFL experience. 
nine came from this, the SANFL Magpies, 20 came from other SANFL teams, and the rest came from reserves or under 18 squads around the country. Um, the most experienced player was Wanganeen, and he had 147 games under his belt, and he was the most experienced by like a long way. Premiership player. Brownlow medalist. At Love him. Brownlow medalist. All around yeah. good human. Yeah. All around good guy, yeah. <laughs> and he was their captain uh, for the inaugural season. Yes, he was. Um, and I feel like mentioning the fact that Port had 51 players in their squad this in 1997. Yeah, they were allowed to have a couple of extras being their first year and total lack of experience and, and such. That's Jason playing with the mic in case anyone's wondering what that sound is. He's trying to make it better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just full disclosure here, that's all. That's what we're going for. Um, (laughs) So we head into this game. Wanganin is the captain, as we've said. Um, Port had just won their first game. Adelaide had not won a game yet in this season. Yeah, no, they they won their first game of the season against the Brisbane Lions by about 42 points. Sorry. Funnily enough, uh, Adelaide would actually go on to win their first flag in the AFL later this year, which kind of makes this win for Port even more special. Yeah, I mean, they proved themselves as the top team of the year and they went like, back-to-back flags. So, mm. like, under Blight, they were essentially unbeatable for a long period of time. Um, and, yeah, no one expected Port to win this game. No one expected Port to win any games that year. Um, and after their win over Geelong, who were doing all right at the time, uh, everyone was like, oh, shit. Maybe we <laughs> discounted them too soon. So going into the showdown, the Crows were still hot favourites by a mile. But mm. the Port team and the Port supporters had a little bit more faith that maybe we could get over the line. And I think the footy world in general were forced to kind of take us a little bit more mm. seriously. And you look at the, like, Adelaide won round one uh, and then lost to Richmond by 30 points and then Carlton to 30 points. So they were coming off a couple of strong losses. Port off the back of their... Getting pummeled in the first two games, but mm. then um, getting their first win. But you look at the stats, like, Adelaide had... The average age was about 23... And 200 days, and Ports was 22, so 22 and 200 days. So it was about a year average difference. But then you look at the games, the average, um, the games experience was about 1,200 for Adelaide and 600 for Ports. So it's dramatically different in terms of experience and age um, at that level. So it's, you know, all of these things yeah. are really playing into the whole build-up of, you know, both were one and two, but... Port weren't expected to win, as Lisa said, but they've just won their first game at Adelaide off a couple of big losses. It was also a Crows home game as well. Mm. I feel like um, at this point, for people who tune in that are more fans of women's footy or more modern-day fans of footy, um, this is, feels very much like um, Gold Coast's entry to the AFLW this season. So they picked a list that wasn't necessarily a list of star names. There are a few names that are pretty well known, Wanganeen being one. Um, for for Gold Coast, maybe it was Jackie Yorston and maybe it was Jamie Stanton. And they went into the Q Clash, the showdown, against a team, Brisbane, Adelaide, that were meant to really put 
put them down and, and beat them by a lot. And they came out and they actually really jumped their opposition. They're, they're more experienced. They're more um, kind of confident opposition and really stunned the football world. And I think that's kind of a modern-day example or reference point for people. Sorry to keep bringing it back to women's footy, but it's a thing that I do unconsciously now. <laughs> <sighs> um, so let's kick it off from the first quarter. Mm. Well, just, be- Port- just before that, before we start doing the game, there's a quote from Malcolm Blight talking about the lead-up to the game. And he was just mm. saying how much tension was in... Uh, in the Adelaide playing group and every session had an, every meeting, every discussion had a, an air of aggression in it going into this. And then the tail end of the quote is, and he, he says that he imagines Port Adelaide being in the same like internal build up, like really, uh, like you said, aggressive and um, intense lead up in the, in the change rooms from, from both teams. But, I'm yeah. sure it was. The difference is, is that Crows had everything to lose. Mm. With They had all the expectation on them. You know, and in terms of bragging rights, it was the ultimate. I don't support Port at all. I hate them. Port Adelaide people are better. The Crows were doing very easily today. I'm retired and love every bit of Port Adelaide. We've been living for this game for a long while, so it's going to be great. Yeah, 100%. And like, the idea of going in against this team that the people that own your club stopped from entering the competition. Like, it wasn't just two teams from the same state going at each other. It was, like, the whole, as our part one suggests, like, the, a whole bunch of stuff that was building in terms of the animosity towards one another over those seven years to the point where they were finally able to go out and play against each other. But the thing that Port had in their back pocket, despite being the new team, despite having a a list that had just come together, was the fact that they had a winning culture. Port Adelaide had a long winning culture. And that, I think, put them in really good stead heading into this as well. Jack Hale, the coach, was that he believed and he made his players believe that they could achieve anything. Mm. That was clear in Mm. the way they played. Mm. Because they did play, just to talk about style of footy before we go into it, they did play very much a quick ground ball, uh, get it forward however possible type of footy that was very like confident, I guess, mm. where it was just like, we know that at the end of this is going to be someone from our team that can keep surging it forward. Whereas Adelaide, maybe not so much. There was just so many, and I, we're obviously jumping to a big picture bit now, but there were so many times where Port Adelaide players found each other in space or in two-on-one or in positions where they were easily able to move the ball forward. Uh, and, and just somehow, whatever the... I know I made a note of it later on, but consistently throughout the game, being able to hit the target, whether it progressed from that, but just being able to find the space... And making the space, and it it just shows in how well they um, they dominated the majority of the game. Yeah, and it's important to remember how remember that the making space, the running hard. When we talk about some of the stuff that happened during the game as well, to make that more difficult. Mm. So let's go to the first bounce. Mm. 
Port were very strong early. They won a free almost immediately that um, the umpire that gave it and the player that received it, Darren Mead, were both like not quite sure that there was a free there, but it was a hot contest early. So we just wanted to like nullify that, pay the free kick, get that out of their systems. So Port were maybe on the like winning side of luck there, but it really kind of got them going but they just struggled to kick straight in the first quarter. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a bit of Biffo right on or just before the opening bounce as well. There was several incidents of Biffo <laughs> during this game. Like Pretty much right after the first bounce, there was a massive pile on, which didn't progress as far as I would have liked to, let's be honest. <laughs> but there was a massive pile on, but it did disband quite quickly. But, you know, that tension, that seven years worth of tension was going to come out eventually. Mm. It's only a matter of mm. time. <laughs> so seven minutes in, Michael Wilson kicked the first goal for Port, which was the first goal of the game after Port kind of were kind of dominating possession, dominating territory, but just not quite able to put the score on the board to reflect it. Mm. He was the uh, rising star winner in 1997, Wilson. He was so good in this game. Yeah. He was a really good player for us for a lot of years. He was absolutely exceptional. Um, something that yeah. happened just before that, which I've actually written this down with a little love heart next to it, was um, a moment where Rusciuto's running through the middle and Big Matty Primus, the team's <laughs> ruckman, like a huge bastard, actually runs him down <laughs> and tackles him to the ground. And as I was watching it, I was like grabbing Jace's knee being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, that's so <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> this has got a big thing for Matty well, Primus. <laughs> I had I – actually, my dad found out, like, this big Matty Primus poster, and, yeah, he was my favourite player <laughs> as a kid. But seeing well, Rusciuto's got fact, hair at the time as well. Yeah, Rusciuto had hair, yeah. and Primus ran him down. It's just amazing. <laughs> um, there's a fun fact, though, that uh, Matty Primus and Mal Hickey are related. Really? Ah, how so? Yeah, the uh, – uh, so Matty Primus's – so we all know Mel Hickey's related to Reg Hickey. That's why she went back to Geelong and all that sort of stuff. Um, she's actually the granddaughter of Reg Hickey's cousin. Maddie Primus is actually Reg Hickey's grandson. That's right. Because there was a whole thing about how Geelong couldn't get him and he ended up at Fitzroy and then Port. I can't remember yeah. the specifics, but there was like this whole like disappointment that he didn't end up at Geelong. It's great for yeah. us. Geelong, a club that notoriously hate rucks. Um, so it's just funny that Maddie, Maddie Primus is actually more closely related to Red Hickey than Mel Hickey is. So that's something I found out in the process of, you know, uh, researching all of this. Research. Um, yeah, research. It's a fun thing. Uh, so 12 minutes in, Gavin Wanganine, who had been pretty good to that point for you guys, uh, was carried off with an ankle injury. Bang. Yeah, he went straight down into the rooms and we didn't see him again. It was a weird incident too. Yeah, that when you watch it, the way he kind of, his body flung at a certain angle and then this other guy just kind of hit him in the ankle and it didn't really look that bad, but it was no. enough to sideline him for the game and I think a game after that as well. It was so weird. Um, yeah, so that starts to paint the picture of what Port were going through throughout this game. They lost their inspirational captain early in the game. That's and their when, most experienced uh, player too. Yeah. Um, and that's when 
good old Tony Modra kicked his first goal of oh, the game Modra. about after, 14 minutes in. After shanking badly his first one, like his first kick was a pretty yeah. bad shake. He had a couple he had a couple of bad shanks in this game. A couple of ripping Still kicked r- seven. Yeah, still kicked seven in a losing side. Excuse me. A couple yeah. of ripping goals too. Like we'll get a couple to... of ripping hangers too <laughs> yeah. as well. Like it was classic Modra in this it's game. About classic three, Modra. Three, oh, just after half time he did this incredible like Snap off the ground, odd bounce, yeah. kind of. Mm. Or maybe it's in the. We've got the audio of that coming later. Yeah, and then almost a mark of the year, which he then kicks a point as well. Mm. But we're you know, yeah, bouncing forward a From few minutes directly in front. Directly in front. <laughs> anyway, we're at uh, um, five points up at quarter time to Port Adelaide. Yeah, I wanted to shout out um, Fabian Francis did some incredible things for Port Adelaide, particularly in the first quarter. Mm. On the wing, he eva- the, the way he evaded two opposition players, kept the ball in and got it forward was unbelievable. Fabian Francis is a name that I hadn't heard a lot of, but he was unbelievable in this game. And he was very good in pretty much every game he played. He was incredibly skillful, quick and uh, disciplined as well. Yeah. Incredible. And then another Port Adelaide player. Um, yes, Scott Cummings. <laughs> um, he, we're going to talk about him a lot in this episode, but the first real thing you see of him in this game is him running angrily towards an umpire when he wasn't given a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Remember when you could do that? Remember when you could run towards and, an umpire and like point your oh finger in their face and tell them off? Oh, those were the days. I thought he was just going to like <laughs> take him down. Like he literally ran at the umpire and the umpire had to like back up. <laughs> it's actually really funny to watch. <laughs> and it's Scott Cummings. Cummings as we... Yeah, but like he's Scott Cummings as we haven't seen him in a very long time. Everyone knows <laughs> Scott Cummings now as like uh-huh. a big guy that just sits in the f- um, like in the forward square and ju- goal square, sorry, and just marks and kicks goals. But in this game, he was very much he, he was very fit lead up forward, and he was running at the ball a lot. A lot it was really yeah. fascinating to watch him play like that. Dennis had some really big zingers throughout the game. I wish I'd written them all down, but constantly listen to Dennis Cometti just rip out his trademark one-liners was fantastic. I have a great Scott Cummings <laughs> story from when I was in high school, and this is back in the day when AFL players had day jobs still. He actually worked at a 4 by 4 car dealership that was right across the road from my high school. Um, and I used to have to walk behind it every day to get from the bus stop to my high school. And nearly every day he'd be out the back of that dealership Cigarette in hand, like leaning on the fence, just like having morning smoke <laughs> at eight thirty in the morning, and I was just like, "This is amazing." And <laughs> <laughs> something you could absolutely not get away with now. <laughs> absolutely not. But he was out there all the time. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so, so the siren goes. It's quarter time. Adelaide have kicked one goal. One for seven and Port have kicked one goal six for 12 points. So they're up by five, but it should really be a lot more than that. Definitely should have been more. Um, I also want to highlight that this was the start of what was a terrible game for Mark Rusciuto, um, who Lee Matthews in the commentary was calling Rakuto, which was weird. Um, <laughs> and it started off <laughs> with a kick in. I noticed um, both the Adelaide players kicked the ball very, very flat 
it was really weird and I just felt like highlighting that because Rashudo's even didn't reach his teammate because it was just such a flat kick and it was like it felt almost like Port had gotten under their skin and men- mentally had control of the game in the first quarter as well. Well, like I said, like the Crows were the ones that had everything to lose. And mm. like Blight was an incredible coach, as we know. Mm. And I think he probably did as much as he could to keep them cool-headed under wraps and all of that. But Adelaide media is batshit crazy. And it's really hard to block <laughs> it out. It's really hard to block <laughs> it out. No matter how, you know, good a footballer you are or how good your coach is. So I, it's not, you know unfathomable to think that they would have cracked under pressure just a little bit under all that weight of expectation. Goodness me. Um, (laughs) We head to quarter two and the first real thing that happens in this quarter is the punch-on between Cummings and Jamison. And we've got a box eye goal here. Few haymakers throwing off the ball. Oh, that was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. You didn't, and the disappointing thing about it, you don't actually see how it starts. All you really see, no. or the footage on this show is Jamison just being the shit out of Cummings and him trying to like hold him off. Um, he's also <laughs> trying to throw a few as well, but Jamison's really throwing more. Um, like they're I, literally just throwing a lot of punches at each other. It's not like a punch on in footy now where it's just like a little bit of a jump or punch and then they move on. No, it's yeah. full on this like was boxing like, match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and Kometi is just laughing about it. And he's like, if you're going to fight, fight. Which <laughs> is, you never hear that now. Unless it's Dermot Brereton commentating. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, <laughs> um, so Tony Modra kicked Adelaide's first of the second quarter off a free kick. That was the first goal of the second quarter as well. And it was really tight early on. Um, mm. It was very much an arm wrestle either way. And... Modra started to really tear apart Port's defence. He kicked another within minutes and Adelaide were up by seven points just off the back of what Modra was doing. Mm. And that, I think we briefly mentioned it, but he went up for a massive mark there, but kicked a point out of it, which could have really steadied them and put them, you know. That came after this. That came oh, okay. after the two goals. Oh, sorry, I've got 3.30. Sorry, I've got my times back to front. I got at three minutes Come on, left. Jason. <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, I wrote down three minutes 30 left instead of three minutes 30 in, into it. Silly. Um, <laughs> I blame my, my note Cal- taker. Yourself. No Myself. blaming of Lisa. No, no. it's him. I that. Um, okay, good, good. I'm here to defend Lisa at all costs, just so everyone knows. Yeah. Um, I like her a lot more than Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll run up the fumes of that comment for weeks. <laughs> Good. I'll uh, throw more at you anytime you need them. Um, let's continue on. So Adelaide are up by seven. Tony Modra's really getting to the groove of, groove of the game. But then Scott Cummings finally kicked Ports first while they were peppering at the goals and struggling with accuracy. He finally kicked a goal. And it, it was almost like a breath that was let out by mm. Port with that goal. Yeah. And for Cummings as well, who had had a very frustrating first quarter. Yeah, frustrating is the minimum of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then comes the screamer that we've all been talking about. <laughs> so the kick up in front of goal. Modra's going to fly at the back. Up he goes. Oh, yes. Oh, you can see him wandering at the back. And he flew Tony Modra and stayed up there and took it on the way down. 
Richmond was just a step later waiting to be climbed. It was a question of whether Montford could time it. He's just such a great leap for the ball, and he's got that balance in the air to keep to keep his balance, even though his feet are a long way off the ground. It was unbelievable, and he he really went up for a few like this, but only really hang, hang on hung on to the one. It was a crazy mark, but it was like a quintessential Tony Modra mark. Yeah. Oh, it was. And when you, like at the time, that was unbelievable. But when you look back at his yeah. career and how often he did that, you're like, oh yeah, that's Modra. That's yeah. just what he did. And he definitely has got a style. He's got a style in his marks that, you know, is very distinctive. In just mm. Yeah, so like... We talk about Jeremy Howe being a high flyer nowadays, but Jeremy Howe, it's very much he's marking over one opponent and getting on their shoulders. Whereas Modra, it was like he was in a pack and he leapt above a whole pack of people every time he did it. Mm. And he did it with such ease. He only needed like two steps and then up he went. It's not like he needed a big run up or anything. It was just an incredible skill that he had. Mm. Absolutely incredible. There's not much else that he could have done except jump and kick. And kick balls, yeah. Wasn't known for his book smarts, but he was known for his marks and his <laughs> and his kicking ability. Oh, uh, Tony Modra. Um, <laughs> so he, he he missed that goal, unfortunately for Adelaide. Um, but with minutes remaining, this it was one of the best passages of play I saw for the mm. whole game. Uh, Rusciuto was trying to clear the clear the ball out of Adelaide's defence. They were under siege, as I said. Port had been peppering all, all quarter but just hadn't been able to convert as well as they would have liked. Rusciuto, blind kick out of defence. Brewer for Port, running toward 50, gathered the ball so beautifully off uh, Rusciuto's boot, ran into 50 and just kicked the most beautiful goal from about 40 metres out. Throw in. Two youngsters, Johnson and Lockwood. And veteran Rusciuto gives it away though. Brewer, question of accuracy, runs in and slots it. And it was a real like steadier for Port. And for, mm. by this point, it was um it kind of changed the momentum for Port Adelaide in terms of their kicking at goal as well. And from there they kind of really got control of the game, more so than just in play, but on the scoreboard. Yeah. Brewer was an excellent player for us. Um and extra long. Ex Geelong, yep, and he actually kicked our first goal ever in AFL against Geelong. So I love that <laughs> symmetry. Um, but I was actually reading, um, I've got this book about Port's first year that I've been rereading this week, and there's a bit in there um, about him saying that because there were so few guys on the list that had any AFL experience, basically anyone who had AFL experience was asked to be part of the leadership team in an either official or unofficial capacity. So I think once Wanganeen went off, he was one of a couple of guys who kind of stood up. Um, yeah. And he was always like quite cool and calm. That was just the way he was. And that goal really showed it. He ended mm. up with... And he kicked another one similarly later. Mm. He ended up with two Brownlow votes for the game as well. So that really shows yeah. his dominance in the, in the game. But... He was just so nice to watch the way he played. And, like, again, a, a current reference point for people. I likened the way he was playing a lot to the way Oli Florent plays, actually, where going... I know you're laughing at me for having a Sydney reference, but <laughs> the way he ran through a contest, gathered the ball so cleanly, and then made the right choice 
after that. It was yeah. just almost like a choreographed play for him where it, nothing was um, unexpected, whereas others might not be so cool under the, those circumstances. And that's the way he kind of played in this game. It was really awesome. Yeah. So Crows actually did make it to the lead for a little bit, but by the end of that quarter, Port were actually back up again. I think it was 18 points at halftime. There was a controversial free kick 45 metres out to Port. And then there was a kickoff to Cunnington, uh, Cummings, Cunnington. <laughs> oh, that's the mark. Like. Is that the mark that he spilled? Yeah. 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 So he dropped the it. mark. Mm. Yeah. It was weird. So the, the free kick people don't think should have been played in the first place. And then he kicks it off to Cummings who dropped the mark 45 metres out, but was paid the mark. And he went back, went back took the set shot and kicked the goal, which was his second, and it, it put Port up by 17 points. Yeah, that was yeah. a really weird passage of play. Like, I don't mm. know how that actually happened. Like, this, the free kick was soft. Like, no denying it. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't a mark. Okay, what anyone says. It wasn't a mark. In, I can only assume the no umpire was, was in the mark. wrong spot. So we can assume. But it was odd. Or he just blew the whistle too early because he assumed he'd hold it. That too. That's actually probably more yeah. likely. Yeah. Because it, it was a pretty easy mark to take. Yeah, he should have taken it. Like, he the 10-year-old yeah. in a backyard can take that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, but, and then we... Sorry. Well, at half time, like, Port got booed off. Hmm. Yeah, he actually yeah. had another He had another shot on goal just before that where the siren went as he was going to kick it. And he should have taken a few extra seconds to settle and you know, have the shot, but he kicked another point, about 20 out, 20 metres out, yeah, right, right on the it. siren. But yeah, they walked yeah. off 18 points up. And as Lisa said, you can... You can hear them very, very audibly being booed off the ground. I had to ask Lisa actually whether that was Adelaide being booed off by its fans or Port Adelaide being booed off by the Adelaide fans. Oh, I... it's definitely Port getting booed off. 100%. It was always Adelaide's fans booing, though. <laughs> it was also a, Nothing's a member, changed. It was a Crows home game, so there was more Crows supporters yeah, there it's... than Port supporters. Yeah. Um, just to, to create that opportunity for Cummings um, on the siren as well, Port had this kind of scramble handball game going forward. It was really cool to watch the way they did it. It was clean and also not clean at the same time. And it was Franco, Josh Franco, who is some, it's a name that's like embedded in my memory from nineties football. When Mm. I was just like a kid, Josh Franco was a player and then he went on to coach at the Swans. So that's probably also a factor, but he, was the most beautiful kick inside 50. It was incredible to watch him in this game, kicking inside 50. Um, he did it a number of times, and there's a few other passages of play that I'm going to reference, but this was kind of the start of what he was able to do in this game. He had some very unfortunate shots at goal throughout this game. He missed, <laughs> he missed quite a few, but yes. he did get some in the end. But, yeah, he was a beautiful player to watch. And despite – I know I'm biased in saying this, but we had a lot of talent in those early years, mm. like young and inexperienced and all that. But so much work went into selecting that team. I've read something about Jack Cale, um, him and Mark Williams, <coughs> excuse me, flew into state every weekend. They'd go to like eight or nine games in a weekend. They had like 1,500 players to look at. Um, they watched 750 footy tapes, you know, like so yeah. much went into picking that squad 
And obviously there was a lot of players that just weren't available to them to select. But I think they did a bloody good job with what they could do to select that team. Yeah, 100%. It can't be easy. Like, the concessions that were made for the entry, say, of, of the Giants and the Suns, it was a whole different world to what mm. the port recruiters would have gone through to create this initial list as well. I couldn't find out much about this, so I could be wrong, but I also read something about um, Frio who came in you know, a couple of years before Port actually had more opportunities and more available to them to what Port did. Um, there's something in Kevin Sheedy's book about it that I found online where Sheedy and a bunch of other coaches kind of stepped in and spoke to the AFL and tried to stop Port getting their players, essentially. I'm just drawing so many parallels with AFLW. Mm. And even Peter Searle, who's like the master AFLW coach, referencing what they got in comparison to the expansion clubs the previous year. It's just amazing to see just like 10, 20 years on, the same things happened. Like the AFL just has this knack of not thinking far enough ahead. Anyway... It's half time. The score is Adelaide five four twenty two to Port Adelaide five ten forty. So five ten again should be so much further in front, but they're up by three goals. We head into the start of the third quarter, and after the, taking a brilliant mark, setting up uh, Cummings' third goal just minutes into the quarter, Fabian Francis is carried off injured. So you've now got two players on the bench unable to come back on, and you're up by four goals. Correct. I feel like I'm reading a storybook to you, the way I'm playing <laughs> this right now. We, I don't know if you can see. see what we see. Gemma's big red book looks like an episode of Play School. It kind school. of is like a fairy tale to me, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading off my notes here, so it's good. I'm enjoying this. It's Fabian Francis going off, uh, and it was followed a little bit later in the game by um, Tom Carr, who got broken ribs. Tom Carr. That put Port Adelaide, all for starters, having two, two down on the bench. Um, but that adds a whole other, and one of them being the captain, a whole other uh, subplot to this story of being down rotations to having no rotations left, to no interchange, sorry. Um, adds a whole other level of uh, kind of pushing through adversity on top of all the other things that they'd gone through up until this point especially referencing the fact that the way they were playing their footy was very hard running it was making space it was that gut running and we didn't see it drop off as the game went on like you'd expect from a team that didn't have any rotations left Mm. if anything in this quarter they stepped it up a notch yeah and it probably goes back to what you were saying about Matthew Primus running down Mark Rusciuto the idea that it was a buy-in by everyone and no matter what your role was or what your position was, you were still doing all those little things, that made such a difference and it is probably the reason they were able to do those things despite being down rotations. Absolutely. I think one of the standouts in the third quarter for me was Brendan Laid. Like time after time, yes. like he's, just, he's marking everything. <laughs> he's marking 100%. everything. 100%. And he, he got a Brownlow vote for it as well. Yep, yep. And I think the initial game plan was for him and Primus to tag team. 
you know, one-on-one off. But with these injuries, they were kind of forced to have both of them on at the same time a lot more anyway. Um, And so they just put him down back and he was a great addition in defence. Yeah, uh, AFLW fans think uh, Chelsea Randall. Um, Sorry, Adelaide player, but still. (laughs) Now I'll let it pass. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any Port players to reference. Um, So... Port are up by four goals and Rintel gets the Crows on the board for the half after some really beautiful end-to-end play from Adelaide. So they it was literally just such a beautiful passage of play from defence up to forward and, and Rintel was a really good kick. So um, now the Crows are down by 19 points and they started to get a little bit of control. Stanfield kicked a crumbing goal. It's a 14-point margin. And then enter Josh Franku. Back it comes to Mead, who's been very, very good. Here's Franco, runs to 50, drives a goal, yes! He broke the stalemate, really. There was a bit of an arm wrestle for a while, but he kicked an unbelievable goal. It was huge, and it, it it was what he'd been trying to do all game with his shots on goal, but wasn't able to execute. But this one just came off perfectly. It was such a beautiful kick and the way he ran around those other players to get in that space, like someone should have tackled him and the way he did it, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> and it was, was, it was just over the 50, wasn't it? That he kicked that ball. Yeah. 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 And it was just, oh, it was just perfect. What I wish we saw a lot more of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connor Rosie's all right. He does some of those oh, things. I meant, I meant like footy in general. That, like, long-kicking, free kind of game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sydney's trying to do more of it, if that helps. You should watch more Swans games. I mean, when they happen. I watch all different games. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always advocating for people to watch the Swans. Um, Surprise. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, the the Franco goal, Franco, I should say, um, it was kind of a stalemate breaker. It had been that arm wrestle. It really lifted Port as well. And then not too long after that, Brewer kicked his second goal off a similar turnover um, a little bit further up the field. And Mm. it was a a very similar goal from running into 50, kicked it from pretty far out. It was a 28-point margin at that point. And this is while Brendan Laid was playing a a great, great quarter. He got – Brewer got such an amazing bounce in that. There's a – you know, there was a bit of um, – What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, a bit of a contested ball. And then the bounce that he got that just sat right up perfectly for him to put it in from 40 mm. out was... we. Were, I actually rewired that a couple of times because it was just... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've seen every player at some point, the ball bounces the wrong way in doing the exact same move. But you've just got to keep running through it and then for it to hit you right on the chest... In that spot, um, yeah, definitely luck was on the side in that day, in that in that particular instance too. Yeah, and like he rewarded the luck by such a good kick as well. Yeah. Yeah, there was strong, resilient play from Port in the face of a lot of pressure. Adelaide had really upped their pressure in this quarter um, and, and their ability to withstand that opened up the opportunity for Cummings to kick. Um, a goal from the goal square. So it was beautiful work at the top of the 50, a lot of effort by various Port players, including Wilson, 
repeat efforts and it just opened up coming to us who was sitting in the goal square waiting for it to come in it was just a beautiful resilient passage of play from port and they were now up by 33 points while tom Carr was injured telephone box out there no space he kicks down towards half forward going back is huskis loose ball behind Lade, relishing the roll in defense comes away little chip up towards midfield lockwood worked out of it smart wilson's got him slung immediately loose ball wilson did brilliantly flicked it back needs support Goes on the way, another tackle. That was great stuff. In the opposite direction is hard. Downsborough stood up in the tackle. Falling to the ground, locked with the crowd. Dickey, could this be a clincher? Well, it's unselfish. Cummins runs in and gets the goal. When I think about that passage of play, that's the showdown to me, is that 30-odd seconds where the ball's in the forward 50 and Michael Wilson lays two amazing tackles and literally just like... Supermans himself onto Crows players to take them down and yeah. just like throwing his body around ragdoll style. But that goal is his goal, as far as I'm concerned. Those double, triple efforts with no regard for his own safety at all. <laughs> yeah. Like that's his goal. Um, it was incredible. And the way the ball spills out, Lockwood picks it up, hands it on, and then Donald Dickey grabs it, could have easily run in for goal, but ships it to Cummings instead. Like it's just a beautiful play and. Anytime I think about this first showdown, I think about those 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's, it's that and it's the Modra goal off the ground. That, those are the two moments. That's a very amazing goal. Mm. It, it constantly <laughs> looks like, uh, I think I sort of mentioned it before, that the Port Adelaide players kept having the space and better cleared the ball, um, but were just much stronger and much more confident and almost as though they knew Adelaide's gameplay better than Adelaide's new port, so that they mm. were caught off guard in points. Like when you see Wilson um, just going back in, going back in. And um, when, you know, just, just there's a whole bunch of spots where it looks like Adelaide was just, uh, port was just one step ahead of what Adelaide were going to do um, for the vast majority of the game. Obviously, there's those few pockets where they, um, they fought back, but. Um, yeah, it was, it's that passage which is that we rewatched a few times. It just shows how much more desperate they were for it than Adelaide, who didn't have the same desperation. Yeah, 100%. And for that reason, exactly, like going into three-quarter time, the score was Adelaide 5-5-35 to Port 9-14-68. So Port were up by 33 points at three-quarter time. Hmm. And then came out and kicked so. the first goal of the third quarter, of the fourth quarter. Stanfield thumps it out wide. Brewer has been very good. Plays the percentages. Back towards the middle. In front. Cummings almost the mark. Downsbrook at crumbs and he's kicked the goal. Fourth quarter. Downsbrook kicked the first of the quarter. He got them up and about. Continued to keep them up and about, I should say. But then a little bit of a shift happens. Rintoul kicks the Crows first of the fourth quarter. It was his second goal for the game and Port were up by 34 points at this stage. It was followed up immediately, like within 30 seconds, by Peter Vardy kicking another goal for Adelaide. And there's Tregenta driving it forward. They need two or three quick ones. Well, they've got a chance here. Costa at the back. Here's Peter Vardy racing in the goal. It's another one. 
Porter now up by 28 points. Modra gets involved. 28 points, the margin. Still time enough. Stanfield favoured by the bounce. Orman Allen did well. Rusciuto floats it down towards centre half court. Caven over the top. Bond. Caven did well lying on the ground. It comes to Vardy, the unlikely hero. Down towards full court. Out of middle. He was a bit quiet in the third, got involved here. Uh, he kicks a freakish goal, which is the one we've all been referencing, just a minute later. So Port have now, uh, Adelaide have now kicked three goals in the space of 90 seconds, two minutes, and that's when it's just like, oh, shit, this is happening. And Port are only up by 22 points at this stage. Yeah, so it's like three goals in three minutes, mm. which yeah. even watching it back, knowing we won, scared me. <laughs> and i don't think like it happens all the time in footy you know a team's up another team has a crack at coming back like that happens all the time um but the scary thing about is knowing that port had no interchange left they had you know jack could move players around on the ground but no one was getting a breather and you can see as the quarter goes on that they're starting to run out of legs a little bit um, so Downsborough kind of steadied the ship for Port Adelaide. There was a nice slow build-up for them towards 50, and he kicked his second, and Port now were back in front by 28 points, um, and it kind of gave them a bit of a breather, not just after the goal having that minute break, but just the slow build-up they were able to create, take some time off the clock, get some energy back into their legs, build it up, and got another goal. But then... Modra came back, (laughs) much to Port Adelaide's chagrin, kicked another, his fifth goal, got Adelaide within 24 points and then kicked his sixth, getting them within 18 points. So Port are doing all they can to hold off um, Adelaide, who were absolutely surging. Port were really helping their cause by um, kicking a couple of points in that time when Adelaide were really coming back. Brewer got a smack in the head and then kicked it into the man on the mark which um, set up another point. And then Matty Primus took a massive contested mark and then kicked an absolute shocker. Yeah, that was shit out. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they they were... It's in those moments that you can see the legs are running out because they're just not converting where they should, where they were in the first... In his defence, though, like, Jack put him up forward and he became a really good focal point for the rest of the quarter as a big body in the forward line. Um, and that's probably the only advantage Port had over the Crows through the whole game was in Ruck because they had quite an inexperienced Ruckman on that day and we had Primus and Lane. It was like their fourth, yeah, their fourth choice Ruck or something like yeah. that, Adelaide's. And in field, on the field-wise, that was really the only advantage we had. Other than your speed and endeavour and spirit. <laughs> True. <laughs> I like being lame like that. Um, so Tony Modra is absolutely tearing this quarter apart. He's kicked two. You, they're within 18 points. Port can't kick straight to kind of push off the surging Adelaide. And with three minutes to go, Tony Modra kicked his seventh goal. Was that mm. stressful? Oh, 100%. Like no one wants to have anyone kick seven against them. 
<laughs> no one Especially wants when they're that. surging late. Particularly when it's like your biggest rival and it's the first time you're playing that rival and there's like 100 plus years of bullshit leading up to this game. Like, <laughs> no one wants that. But it's hard to so, deny like how fucking amazing he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Adelaide were within two goals of Port with three minutes to go and Port just really needed to steady it slow it down, create the contest. And they were absolutely able to do that. It was pretty impressive the way they were able to just, yeah. like, solidify as a team and just slow it down. You look at the, um, just a couple of minutes before that, there was a brilliant tap by Lade, um down. And it didn't end up in a goal, but it was really, like Lisa was saying, it was really reminiscent of that Port versus Sydney St Kilda game in 2017. I think Ryder taps it down to Gray, who kicks Robbie it. Probably Gray. Oh, that, that passage is glorious, but it was really parallel to that, except it didn't result in a goal, but just the way he tapped it and the way it went down, it was beautiful. <laughs> like uh, Jason Ball to Nick Davis in 2005. Throw. <laughs> 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 um, so I, one thing that Jace noted uh, was that there's like five or six minutes to go and Kale runs down to the boundary, gets booed by the Crows fans. No, no surprise there. And... One of the commentators says something about, um, oh, he's doing that because he's worried. He thinks they're in trouble. And someone else is like, no, this is just what Jack always does. He always comes down early. And I love that he was still doing that. Yeah, that made me really happy. Yeah. 11 points. The Crows have not gone away. And Port squandered some chances today. Part of the learning curve. Patsman, good kick though, and that should do it. Franco's got it on the outer side. Clock continues to run. Redan at 20. Franco, short one to Brown. So history, great build-up all week, and the record book will show Port Power have won the first showdown in Adelaide. Brown, who played for the Crows, relishing the moment, drives it around the outer side. Wait for the roar on the siren. It's across the line. We'll get the throw in. And there is no more time. And climax, Pete. Wait for it. Port Adelaide. Yeah. So <laughs> the final siren goes. The final score, Adelaide 11-6-72 to Port Adelaide 11-17-83. They'd won by 11 points. You know what? It's really hard to describe how that win felt. Um, we've heard about, you know, no one expected us to win. We've heard about, you know, um, how hard it was with all the shit that Port went through to get in um, and a little bit about rivalry, but there's so much more to that. But it was so satisfying. It was so satisfying. Um and at the end, Dennis says, you know, the Battle of Adelaide has been fought and won. And that's really what it <laughs> felt like. Like, even if you weren't into footy, you knew all about it because you just could not yeah. avoid it. I think that's still a common thing it's now. It's a big is, deal. I know, it is. Gemma, in our, in our pre-season wraps, it's always a game that I personally look forward to, even though before um, meeting Lisa, like, it's always a game you kind of know that's going to, 
be intense and a high quality of football, even if both teams are, um, you know, the teams aren't necessarily close on the ladder. Um, I think the stat is yeah. that the team who's been lower on the ladder wins just under fifty percent of the time. So it's like it's or uh, it's not. It's between a third and, and uh, half the time. So it's it's very close, even if the teams are quite separate on the ladder. Um, such a great quality of of game. Uh, You're referencing other showdowns as well. I I put a shout out on Twitter about people's favourite showdowns, and um, I've got two examples that came through a lot. Um, so I just wanted to give them a shout out. So 2015, the showdown, the circumstances around that showdown were pretty significant. Phil Walsh, Phil Walsh Adelaide's head coach, had been killed. And Adelaide had had a week off footy and came back and it just happened to be the showdown following it. And just the emotion around that game was was pretty huge. And the fact that it was a showdown on top of that, the respect that Adelaide, uh, that Port Adelaide showed given the circumstances while still being fierce rivals was kind of incredible. And then 2018, this is the first one that came to mind for me um, when I thought about best showdowns. 2018, where Adelaide had been down, Mitch McGovern takes an incredible mark with about a minute and a half to go, kicks a goal, puts Adelaide in front, celebrates like he just won the game for Adelaide, but Port, were able to fight back. 38 seconds, and it goes Adelaide's way, but they're ready. Howard pumps it in. They've got the outnumber. Oh. They all crash down. Flashpoint. Stevie Mobloff. What a time! Oh. Oh. He is floating on air now. Stevie Mobloff. They've got him to the club to kick goals. McGovern is down. Port Adelaide are up. And it's Stevie Motlop. Stevie M. Can you tell me what happened after Mitch McGovern took that incredible mark and kicked that huge goal for Adelaide to put them in front in that mm. showdown? He went to well, Carlton. The first thing that happened is that I broke up with Jason. <laughs> and then he kicked that goal. And then I think I might have shit my pants. I think. Like, I can't quite remember. I think that might have been what happened. Um, but the Crows were ahead for most of the game and then Port came back and it was so exciting. And then bloody McGovern kicked that goal and there was, what, a minute and a half to go? Is that right? Less than a minute. Not even. Not even. Less than that. Not even. And so it was really tense. And um, showdowns for me are my most hated and most loved games of the year because they're so (laughs) intense and they're so stressful like, it's like your team's in the grand final every time. It's so intensely stressful. Jace has seen me, like, after showdowns that we lose. And I'm like, don't talk to me. Don't come near me. Like, I'm in the foulest mood. Like, it's awful. <laughs> That's so, how I feel when Sydney plays Hawthorne. Mm, so, Melvin kicks that goal and I'm like, this is in my future for the next 24 hours. Um, <laughs> and Jace knows. He's sitting here nodding like, yeah, I've got to deal with that. So, um, goes back to the center bounce and Paul actually clear it really, really well. And you're like, oh my God, maybe, maybe it's going to happen. And then there's two, there's the balls coming into our 50, two Crows players take each other out front on, which, you know, you don't like to see 
seeing people get hurt. But it's also kind of funny when someone takes out their own player, you know. Um, and then out of nowhere, like, Motlock grabs the ball, running like hell, and slots it. And you're just like, I can't believe that just happened. It seems to happen really quickly. Yeah. And it's just, like, pure... Dodging two tackles in the process. Yeah. Like, it's a tight pack, and he just managed to come out of nowhere and kick this goal, and everyone loses their collective minds. Hinkley's lost his mind in the in the box. <laughs> and then before you know it, the siren's gone. Ken's doing weird shit with his hands, which actually is the <laughs> cover of my iPad is him doing that. Which because so it's so can you funny. explain what that was? Can you explain what that was? Um so at this point, I think the Crows had won the last few showdowns up to this point. Um it was yeah. always pre- it's always pretty even in terms of the tally. I think I'm pretty sure Crows are up at the moment, but it's always been relatively no, even. No, Port's up. Are pretty we? sure Port's up. I have to check. Sure. I can't, you know, I told you I've got a terrible memory. I'm not quite sure, but it's always really tight. But <laughs> at this time, the Crows had won the past few and there was heaps of pressure on him and Port to try and even the score a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it was, that pressure was relentless and it was all directed at him being the coach. So... He just had this outpouring of emotion and relief, I think. And he's saying like, you know, one zero, one to us, none to you for the year. And yeah, you don't see him do that very often. Like he's usually pretty stone cold. So there was something about being yeah. like four and zero or five and zero up until that five point. zero. Yeah, five yeah. Zero, and then yeah. it was reset the clock one zero. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty special. So good. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so yeah, showdowns are like a big deal for more reasons than just being the two South Australian teams in the national competition. And it's only, it's happened in the finals once as well. Um, Adelaide ended up winning that one, but, um, they actually went back after that or not not, not just recently actually and awarded a showdown medal to that match. Plus also the early matches as well. It's only relatively mm. recently in the last handful of years they introduced the showdown medal. Mm. Um, and they went back and... I was about to say posthumously, but uh, post... No, they're not dead yet. So they're, they're not <laughs> dead. <laughs> no, Did you not. have a quote for us in regards to showdowns, Jason? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was a quote from Malcolm Blight talking about the game, um, talking about the, the aftermath of the game in the change rooms. And he's saying that... In the change rooms, the game's emotions were high and tears flowed freely. This defeat hurt like no other. And that he wrote the number 18 on the whiteboard on the debriefing session on the Monday. And he basically said that that's the number of games left in the season. Um, and the Crows have obviously took that loss and that kind of uh, pivot to then go on and win the finals. Finish, I think they finished sixth fifth or sixth, and win the four finals in a row and made their first premiership. Uh, and on the flip side, Port Adelaide drew with Brisbane late second half of the season and they missed out on the finals uh, by percentage to Brisbane. So um, that was sort of the difference for them making the finals in their first season. So from a team that was told by a number of people they wouldn't win any games throughout the season, it was quite an impressive start to barely missing out in the finals by, I think it was 10 or 15%, which is still a healthy amount in, you know, but close enough that it was a drawn game, the difference 
They lost a couple of games by very close margins. Especially the second it's kind showdown. of amazing as well. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's amazing as well that Adelaide in 1991, in their first year, finished ninth just out of finals and Port in 1997 did the same thing. Yeah. Love a good coincidence like yeah. that. And, and you look at when <laughs> Adelaide came in and they played in their first grand final in 97 and then Port yep. came in in 97 and... 2004. 2004 was their first grand final, but they were so dominant in a couple of years and were unlucky to not make the finals, the grand final, in about the same gap as what... Uh, as well, what it was that. only one year different yeah, in the end. Yeah, it was only one year different. Yeah. They're still unlucky. That, yeah, it's still it's parallel to see that how those two teams have progressed versus uh, you're looking at you know, Gold Coast Suns and I suppose GWS are on that same track and, and Frio have made the grand final as well. Um, but it's interesting to compare how those teams look as uh, yeah. relatively recent uh, additions to the, to the league. Yeah, to the National League. Um, we wanted to talk briefly about rivalry as well. And from a more personal perspective, Lisa, you've got some family stories about that rivalry and the atmosphere of being at games like these can you share them with us yeah so um my interest in footy came from my dad who um was a footy trainer for a lot of local teams we moved around a bit as kids and he was always the trainer for the local team um from him it came from his dad and from my pa it came from my great-grandparents and he's really commented that footy in Adelaide and I think it probably is everywhere was really a reflection of societal attitudes. That Port were really seen as a working class club, the low end of town, the thugs of the community. Um, everyone who lived in that area either worked on the wharves or in factories. Uh, my great-grandparents were poor people. Um, they used to spend their Christmas holidays camping at the sand dunes down near Port Adelaide they couldn't afford to do anything else. Um, my great-grandmother used to clean a church, which was in the Sturt district, and Sturt and Norwood are probably Port's two biggest rivals. Um, and if Port beat Sturt on a Saturday, no one would speak to her at church on the Sunday <laughs> because she was a Port supporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was always very much a us-against-them, us-against-the-rest, you know, attitude. Um, people loved to speak down to poor people. They were called wharfies as a derogatory wow. term. Um, but the poor community really turned that into a strength. And you're like, yeah, we work hard and we play hard, you know, that kind of attitude and took it on as a sense of pride um, and ended up much like the Guernseys turned into a source of intimidation against their opponents. Um, but yeah. it also helped them to grow as a community because Port supporters, you know, they were poor people. They didn't have much, but they had their club um, mm -hmm. and they invested a lot into it and they had each other. Um, so much so that the entire Port Adelaide area became known as Port Territory and not just Albert and Oval. Um, and if you were driving from the city down Port Road towards Port Adelaide, um, once you went past Cheltenham Cemetery, it was known that you were in port land and to, like, beware. 
Um, my dad told me a great story about going to Norwood Oval um, with his best mate to watch Port play Norwood there. And, you know, they went, they're wearing their port hats or polo tops, whatever they wear. Um, and they were getting heckled and abused by Norwood supporters like the whole day, which wasn't unusual for footy in general. You know, you heckle the opposition. Uh, at one point, someone called him four eyes. Like this is, this is the kind of level that we're talking about. <laughs> And um, dad had a quip whip back about, hey, with these glasses, my eyesight's perfect. I can see exactly what's going on. You know, just dumb shit. Um, Port ended up losing by a few goals. But, you know, dad, we always stayed till the end, no matter what was happening. You got it. And um, as they were leaving, these guys were continuing to heckle dad and John. And dad's like, so we'll see you at Alberton for the next one. Yeah. And one of these Norwood guys was like, there's no bloody way we're ever going to go down there. And dad's like, yeah, you don't have the guts to come down there and support your team. Like we, we've done today. And there was just silence. <laughs> and that was really typical. You know, Port uh, Alberton was a really intimidating place to go. Even as a child, as a Port supporter, I remember going there with dad and feeling this overwhelming sense of energy and, excitement and but intimidation as well like it was a big fierce place to go um and the games were fierce and the crowds were fierce and I absolutely loved it and had a lot of respect for it but there were times where even I was a little bit on edge even though I was on the right side so to speak being at the home (laughs) home ground um the dad also told me and I didn't know this where the visitors change rooms are at Alberton it forces the opposition team to walk through the crowd to get to and from them. And they've never changed that. And I just think that's kind of funny. (laughs) It's like, you're going to come down here, you're going to play by our rules. Um, And then I remember the build-up to 97. um, It was just such a big deal for Port to finally get that licence. And I remember going to a trial game with Dad and he bought me like a footy record so I could learn all the the... new players names and their numbers and everything I didn't realize till I was older how much of a journey it really was to get there and I guess I didn't really appreciate it as much when I was a kid but I do remember watching the club launch on tv and I've shown this to Jace <laughs> oh my god that video at, you can watch it now and, and you're like oh my god but for the, at the time like mid-90s it was a big deal and they were only the only club at the time to have a launch as such. And there's like a whole... All the lasers. find it on YouTube. There's like a laser show. It's For its time, it was amazing. There's a laser show. And then they, they reveal um, the new colours, the name, all of that. Um, <laughs> which was also a big deal because, you know, to, we obviously had to change our colours in our name because of Collingwood, which... As much as people bitch about it, I think is totally fair enough. Um, and a lot of people criticise them for the power, but it's like, what are you going to call them? You can't call them another animal. That's It's been done. You want to try and straddle, you know, still include the black and white, but we've got to change it to make it different enough. Like, it's a really hard... I think it's a really hard concept to come up with and a really hard thing to do. Mm. Um I also in my research I found a really funny quote about that actually. So Alan McAllister, who was the Collingwood president at the time, 
said that um, we could have the colours back if we finished above Collingwood for the first our first three years, which we did. Finished above Collingwood. Yeah, we did. But, you know, that never happened. <laughs> I, just, I just get a little kick out of that. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that in an old age article today. Um, but this showdown rivalry really goes all the way back to, you know, my great-grandmother and this club coming out of a section of society that was seen as, you know, lesser than and thugs and poor and didn't want to be seen or heard by the rest of society and how dare they form a successful football club and how dare they be proud of it. How dare they keep yeah. succeeding and how dare they make a pitch for the AFL and that same attitude has just continued on and on and on. Um, and like I said, either you love poor or you hate them in Adelaide. So the Crows becoming an amalgamation of every other SANFL club versus the one SANFL club that everyone else hates you know, it wasn't just seven years in the making, it goes back a lot longer than that. And I can't think of another instance where there's been such a big rivalry for years before a game had even been played between the two teams. Um, yeah. And I hope that gives people some sense of how important these games are to poor and Crows supporters. Yeah, it's incredible going back. And, I mean, there's so much more we could have even talked about that we're trying to keep it within time limits that we weren't able to touch on. But the intricate nature of the history of South Australian football and the egos in South Australian football is kind of incredible. And thank you so much for sharing so much of it with us. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure going back and filling in all the gaps of my own knowledge. You know, I was on the phone to my dad for like two hours yesterday talking mm. about this and hearing these stories that I hadn't heard before and then reminiscing on stories of, you know, things we'd been at, through together whilst being at the football, <laughs> um, you know, times where I remember going to Alberton and getting abused by a couple of um, opposition supporters. So I was still a child and they were having a go at me. Yeah. And I can't remember what I said, but I turned around and had a go at them back, which they obviously weren't expecting. And dad was like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> But, that's and I don't, I don't exclude, like, think that's just poor. I think that's also footy in general, you know. Yeah, 100%. Particularly local leagues. Like, it ain't pretty. <laughs> but that's kind of why we love it as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we should wrap this all up now because we've been going for a little while. <laughs> I don't want my computer to crash. Um, thank you so much. This has been the origins of the showdown part two the first showdown i've been joined by jason and lisa thank you so much both of you in iso oh thank you it's been an absolute joy to be able to talk about my club like this living in a town <laughs> living in a city that doesn't give a shit about my club so it's really lovely thank you Gemma. <laughs> i feel the same way yeah i know you no do. one cares about the swans either <laughs> And yeah, thanks um, for having us on as well as always, Gemma. It's always a pleasure and to talk of course, and even more uh, so in this we've come, time and place. Yeah, we've come up with a couple of other topics we want to cover on this show as well. So we might just have to have you guys back to talk about those things. Um, this has been sure. I See It But I Don't Believe It. I've been Gemma Bassiani. 
Jason and Lisa have been incredible. Um, remember to subscribe, do all that jazz, uh, wherever you get your podcast support, play on as a podcast network. Um, and also just go back and rewatch old games of footy while there's none on. There's plenty around. Oh. I'll see you guys soon. Enjoy your ISO. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at (laughs) you. I secretly, just secretly, I'm saying this into a mic, I love being on my own. So I'm actually thriving in this. (laughs) (laughs) I've done pretty good up until this weekend. I've had three weeks now and I think I hit a wall on Saturday. But uh, doing this research, oh, Friday, Saturday. It was Friday, yeah. But... um. Watching some footy again is kind of like blown out the cobwebs. Yeah. It's a little bit That's different for me. That's why we'll just me. have to do some more episodes. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit different for me because I'm still going to work. So it's more just like, oh, I can't do anything on the weekend. But I'm still getting out of the house every day and um, have yeah. some kind of normalcy. Yeah, it's a bit different yeah. for Jace though, unfortunately. All good. He's going crazy. He'll just have to do more research and do more episodes of this. Yeah. Um, I'll finish this up here. Everyone, keep washing your hands. Keep doing the right thing. We Stay are the flattening the curve. Yes, we are flattening the curve. So just keep doing it and this will be over shorter than if you keep doing the wrong thing. I'll stop preaching now. This has been I See It But I Don't Believe It. That's been Jason and Lisa and we'll be back next week with a new episode. See ya. You.